Today on Octal FM, we chat about Gelada's first experience with a Final Fantasy game as we discuss Final Fantasy IX. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And we're having a bit of a, a trip down memory lane for me, but a little look at a new experience for you. Very new mm. experience, in fact. And we're talking about Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. And the reason that that's kind of an interesting one is because this is a game I've not really played since it was released almost 20 years ago. Mm. But yet you've never even played a Final Fantasy game before this one. Yeah. So exactly. the, it's a real difference in uh, in experience here, which well, normally we'd probably reserve for like a game club, I think. But I think this is almost a unique experience in itself that we thought we could make a full episode about it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that I've never really felt a desire or like a connection to Final Fantasy. I think primarily because I never had a PlayStation or PlayStation 2, like I was a Nintendo person, and I sort of got came into consoles quite late. I never had a SNES or anything like that. So, mm. like, Final Fantasy sort of passed me by, mm. and then I never kind of retrospectively picked it up. The only Final Fantasy game that I have really played in any in any way is um, 14, A Realm Reborn, but that's mm. obviously a, an MMO, so it's quite different to yes. the, the RPGs. So sim- similar themes, but otherwise yes. quite a different game altogether. Yeah. And I find it interesting that you've managed to, I think managed to avoid, but you just haven't kind of picked one up until this point because mm. of how kind of connected to JRPGs Tony is. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely watched a lot of them <laughs> like i've <laughs> yeah. watched it particularly the newer ones right um so whatever whatever has been around from ps3 onwards mm-hmm. so what was that like 13? Like 13 was sort of the big kind of new generation one yeah. at the time and and you've had final fantasy 15 since yeah and 13 too and so you know so yes yeah I, i've seen those um and obviously i know what final fantasy is about right like as as in i know not literally what it's about. I don't know all the stories, but I know sort of like the idea, right? It's kind of the quintessential Japanese RPG. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting as well that we've called it the quintessential Japanese RPG, despite the fact that it it certainly wasn't one of the first, and it didn't even no. do any r- remarkably different at the time. No, I mean, the, the clue also is one. in the name, right? Like, it well, was yeah. meant to be the last. <laughs> it was. It was very much the swan song of the company that was making it at the time. They'd made quite a few kind of games before this that just didn't do, do as well as they were hoping to. And they made a game, they took some risks with it because they, you know, they thought, well, we'll try. And it really, really paid off. And I think it also helped that it did sort of pick up quite quickly in the West as well. Although there's an interesting history there as well with like not releasing certain games and getting kind of the the numbers in the wrong place. So when Final Fantasy VII released in the West on the PlayStation 1... It was only the fourth Final Fantasy numbered game to be released in the West <laughs> because Final Fantasy 1 and 2 came out in Japan, but Final Fantasy 1 and 2 was Final Fantasy 3 as 1 and 3 here. And then Final Fantasy 6 for us was actually Final Fantasy 3. So it was very backwards. Yeah. So anyway, but we're talking about Final Fantasy 9. Yeah. Now, in context to the rest of the series, Final Fantasy 9 was quite a return to form for the series as a whole like obviously this is the ninth numbered 
title, but there'd been plenty of other spin-offs and sort of side projects before this as well. So the property was still already huge at this point. And this kind of really took it back to its roots. And the fact that you've chosen to play Final Fantasy IX now is really interesting because that's a great way to kind of get yourself into the the idea of Final Fantasy JRPG setting. Yeah, absolutely. I know that like, you know, eight and seven were more kind of like futuristic and sci-fi and they sort of did some other things, right, in terms of some of the mechanics. Yes. And then, yeah, like this, I think the main things really were that this sort of brought back things like the characters are are well-defined. It's the medieval kind of setting. Yeah. um, Sort of magic and kind of like kind of high fantasy, but not really high fantasy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Very fantasy based. More classic fantasy rather than the sci-fi elements of seven and eight. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, obviously I didn't really, like I knew that, but it doesn't impact me that this is a return to form. For me, Mm. this was just like, it's a Final Fantasy game. And of course, in my mind, I don't really think of the sci-fi ones. (laughs) I think of the the ones that, you know, the, the, the more fantasy ones. And initially it was released in 2000 on the PlayStation. uh, And it was developed alongside Final Fantasy VIII, actually, for the most part, Mm. after the overwhelming success of Final Fantasy VII, specifically in the West, because it was just such a huge title that they wanted to make sure that they had plenty to kind of follow up with and uh, capitalise on the hype. And it's interesting how different those two games are. And it's also interesting that Final Fantasy IX is one of the reasons why Final Fantasy VIII no longer has its like original base code, which we've talked about in the past mm, on, uh, yes. on episodes when I talked about like the Final Fantasy VIII port I played. This is sort of one of the reasons that they lost it, because they were so busy sort of splitting the team in half to work on both games at the same time and and yeah and it's interesting how different these games are too like they're so unique from each other Mm. despite the fact they're from the same series but yeah so i played obviously you played it originally on you know on the playstation yes i played it on switch at following my my rules if you like about playing video games in 2019 and the switch version is actually a port of like the or it's it's the pc and mobile version that's kind of been remade a little bit for switch there's a there's a lot of things about the port, like quite negative things about the port. I don't really want to go into too much detail. This isn't so much a review, but like uh, number one is that the font is different. It's like a clear sans serif font rather mm. than the sort of like pixely font of the old versions, yes. which a lot of people don't like. And no. obviously I don't care because I didn't play the old one, so I don't know. So to me, I was like, it's just a font. Well, I had a look at some of the screenshots of the sort of the version you've played and it has, because of the font, for example, it does lose a little bit of character. Right. It looks a little bit more generic mobile phone game right it It definitely looks mobile (laughs) yeah it definitely does and i guess in a way it's good because it's clearer and it's you know it's it's just crisper overall but it does lose a little bit of some character yeah it's interesting isn't it there's a few other things as well like there's actually still quite long load times which almost feel (laughs) fake because it's like surely not like it It doesn't what is it needing to load like sometimes (laughs) you wait for ages for a battle like a good 10 seconds Here's a really interesting fact about load times on the PlayStation as well. And I'm not Mm. sure of the technical reasons for it, but when a game would be loading, if there was ever like a timer or a clock within the game itself, that would still continue. So, for example, in Final Fantasy VIII, there's like a... That's the game I know the best out of the sort of like PlayStation era Final Fantasy games. There's a section where you're timed. You only have like a certain amount of time to, to, Mm. to finish it in. And even if you're loading or saving or whatever between, say, cutscenes, the time is still ticking down. Yeah. So if your PlayStation decides to take like an extra, say, 20 seconds to load a scene, you've just lost 20 seconds within the game sort of timer. 
And so a funny addition to that, um, it's the same in nine. There's there's not very many timed um, sequences, but there are a couple. And what's funny is that in this ports, you can double the speed of the game mm. by like pausing and pressing one of the shoulder buttons and it speeds up the game, which is very useful. It doesn't speed up the timers. So you just get more time. <laughs> you to do can double the time, because, essentially. <laughs> so like there's one of the mini games, you have like 30 seconds or something or a minute to do something. And like the game is like, wow, you're so good at this mini game. And it's like, no, I just have twice the amount of time to do it. <laughs> I have modern technology at my disposal. <laughs> and it's funny, actually, like it's useful. There's There's like four things that you can do in the like pause screen. One of them is to speed it up. Uh, one of them is to disable random encounters. Uh, oh, yeah, one good. of them is to make all of your attacks do 9,999 right. damage. And the final one is like a battle assist, which basically when you go into the combat, everyone has trance, um, oh, okay, which is the, yeah. like, the thing that normally takes ages to charge up. And we can talk about that if we talk about the combat. So that's quite useful. Like I, d- I didn't use it to like beat the game really quickly, but sometimes if I was like wanting to explore without mm. random encounters or like backtrack to double check something, I'd be like, oh, I really do not want or need to fight things right now yeah so especially just, like, when you've already that. gotten so far above the levels of those monsters and they're just trash bobs and they get right. in your way and obviously the speed up is really useful for a game that is quite old and you know some of the combat is quite slow because yeah, it's, it's like special plodding. effects and stuff yeah. like that and just moving around in general i mean it's so fast that actually it's quite difficult to move around mm. uh, on anything other than the overworld in the speed up mode so it's really mainly for combat yes. and speeding up the speeding up the combat uh, so that was particularly useful towards the end of the game where I wanted to kind of grind a little bit to get to the point where my levels were, you know, a little bit higher because I was a little bit low and I could do, you know, half an hour of grinding in, in five minutes or whatever. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, it yeah. felt like that. It was that kind of thing. And um, just so, one question as well that I had was, mm. is there any option to sort of skip through the cutscenes or the text boxes quicker? It's kind of weird. Like you can skip cutscenes, but I think I don't know if you could always skip the cutscenes. Uh, it, it wasn't clear whether that was like a new thing or not. You couldn't really go through the text faster, even if you sped up the game to twice the speed. You still had to press A to go to the next right. like a thing, and actually, it still rendered the text in sort of like a slow. It's weird. Like there were some weird interactions in the speed up. Like also, mm. if you were if you sped up the game, sometimes things wouldn't work properly. Uh, so like there's an auction in Treno in the game. And if you, there was one time where I was in there and the auction like takes ages, like where it's like the, you know, the people in the audience are like bidding for stuff yeah. and you have to get him right at the end. So you'd speed it up, but then no one would bid. And right. it was like a race condition, I think in the code where it's like, it can't tell it's going too fast. And so it doesn't like the, the latch of like someone else needs to bid never happens because it's okay. based on time. And there were a few freezes in general. Like the game froze probably about maybe 10, 15 times wow, in, in, in my whole playthrough. But what's really good about the port, and this is the best bit, is that it has autosave. Oh, it doesn't brilliant. tell you that it has autosave, but because it's a mobile port. Okay. And so mobile, of course, you press the home button all the time. You know, you're closing the app and the app can't decide if it wants to keep running. So yes. pretty much between like any major battle or any, you know, if you've loaded into an area or yes. anything like that, like it doesn't show you it's autosaving. There's no icon. It doesn't tell you mm. anything. But just when you go back to the menu and you go continue, it like loads from pretty much where you were now so it's I not so much a save that state it's more of an actual save 
slot, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I, yeah, assume, because... I assume that wasn't in the original no. because the original has saves. Yes. So. Well, it, just like in a lot of the other Final Fantasy games, you had to go to certain locations within the game to save your game. You right. couldn't just save wherever you were. You had to use those locations because uh, yeah. it's the Moogles in Final Fantasy IX that you can save with, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the Moogles. And you still have that in the ports, right? And obviously it's still useful because you don't always want to be put back. Like there were times where the continue was too close like it would be like straight into the boss battle. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to like go back a bit because yeah. I can't do it. So yeah, that was that was good. And how did the the switch handle sort of like being able to go to the home screen, turn itself off into suspend mode, that kind of thing? That was all fine. Like all of that stuff worked great. I basically kept the game running for the entire time I played it. Mm. And there were no there was really no issues there. There were no sort of like lag after the game's been running for a while or anything like that. It felt pretty low stress for the switch. And to was be it honest. in a four by three or yeah, there is like a, it's got like borders either side, which is kind of weird. Um, you get used to it, obviously. I feel like they could have done more with that. I don't know. But the the problem with Final Fantasy IX is it's got pre-rendered screens, right? Yeah. Um, which I know is very classic Final Fantasy and also like uh, early Resident Evil games. That's what yes, I always attribute yeah. it to, right? Like a static camera uh, and like really nicely rendered backdrops. Uh, and then you're basically moving around on yeah, that backdrop. Almost a and picture, it, yeah. Yeah, and it makes it look like it's it's better than it is. So it's the same thing. So I guess that's why they didn't have the they, they couldn't really widen the whole game because it's like, well, you've you've got like pre-rendered backdrops that are of a certain size. They didn't improve the pre-rendered backdrops at all. They're exactly as they were on the PlayStation. Which were already pretty low poly in the first place. Like some of the uh, backdrops yeah. in things like Resident Evil, like you said, were actually a lot better. Yeah. So yeah, it does they you know they must have had the original high res or well, maybe they lost them but you know maybe. in theory you could take those high res model you know that they previously rendered for for a playstation and re-render them for um switch uh, but they didn't do that uh, which is a shame but like the textures are a little bit better the models are a little bit better so it does look yeah okay and you get over it pretty quickly yeah and from, from the screenshots i saw the models are the ones that sort of stand out more than anything else they look quite crisp and yeah quite bright yeah. and vibrant not in sort of like a an unnatural standout way they just look nicer for the most part which i think is good yeah i think in general like it's a there's nothing really wrong with the port it's like it's like a port of an old game kind of warts and all and it's a yeah. little bit wonky but also it's like it is an old game and it's not it's not an hd it's not like a remaster by no, no stretch of the imagination is this like a remake of final fantasy 9 <laughs> it's just the ability to play the game within the switch and a few extra right. kind of technical improvements made right. to allow for that exactly exactly but moving past the actual switch port and all the rest of it because we've spent a long time talking about that actually the game the actual game itself right brass tacks and we'll talk about everything else did you enjoy it Yes, I yeah. definitely did. I enjoyed it a lot. I particularly enjoyed the first, let's say, two thirds of the game mm. was particularly good. There's a lot that I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed the characters. Uh, I really enjoyed the settings and the environments. I enjoyed the combat was really great. You know, most of the mechanics were really nice and, and smooth uh, and and it felt reasonably polished for a game in the two in from the 2000s on the PlayStation, you know, where we're talking fairly early 3D. I know it's like the last one of the last, you know, later yeah. PlayStation games. But, you know, considering that, you know, it's it feels pretty well polished right as a game and it feels fairly well put together and it it's quite cohesive and it's quite smooth and everything kind of works. It was way better balanced than I expected 
um you know it felt it was always a bit the combat was always a challenge like all the way through from start to finish i never sort of got particularly over leveled yeah. and i also never needed to spend too much time grinding to level up i did at the end a little bit but that was kind of mostly me i kind of wanted to like over level a little bit mm-hmm. so that i could just breeze through the end and not yes. worry too much about the bosses but yeah like in general it was actually a challenge but a good challenge and it wasn't like old game challenge like metroid where you know we talked about yeah. that where it's like it's a challenge because it's old and they haven't really worked out game design it's like no 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 no. this is this has got it you know it's very linear right super linear yes um which is why i find it so funny that in that when 13 came out on the playstation 3 right and people whinged about how linear it was right mm. how it was such a corridor game and you're just walking through corridors it's like final fantasy 9 is one long corridor <laughs> like yeah like there is no this it's just it's just a story the you're difference is though through. is that you have the option to sort of explore around the world even though you can only really go in one direction mm. and only go to yeah. one thing to carry things on because right. you've got that illusion of of movement right. and exploration it doesn't feel I, quite as limited yeah i think it's very rose tinted glasses because the overworld on final fantasy 9 is pretty sparse and there's it not is, a lot yeah. of side stuff to do the the overworlds actually looked really good by comparison to the overworlds of 7 and 8 though right like interesting 7 and 8's overworlds were really ugly and 9's weren't fantastic and i remember 9's having quite a bit more fog of war sort oh, yeah, of like rendering distance sort of idea yeah. to it but it still was quite a lot more pretty than, than the other two games, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But still, yeah, they, they they weren't great. And they definitely were still trying to push the limits of what they could do with the PlayStation era technology. But I think they did that because traditionally in Final Fantasy games, there was always that overworld exploration, even though there was usually only one or two places you could go to. And that harkens back all the way to the very first game. You know, that was how, how it worked there too. So uh, I guess that's why they included it, even though it wasn't necessarily required mm, yeah but so we're talking about like you enjoying the game and then you're talking about the characters what did you feel of the story like because the story is is usually praised mm. for being again quite streamlined and quite right. straightforward it's not too convoluted not too like all over the place it's kind of just a, a nice simple but enjoyable story with sort of nice beats to it I I have a my feeling about the story is I think probably what my feeling would be about any Final Fantasy game, mm-hmm. right? I know that JRPGs in general are typically suffer with this. The first two thirds of the story, great, loved it, right? It's like there's some politics, there's some cool characters, there's like a little like they're like building relationships together. Mm. There's sort of like some fun stuff about the um, black mages and like the fact that they're like created and mm. all of this kind of stuff. And there's a little bit of intrigue there. And then in the last third of the game, it's like all of that goes away. And you just have the classic Big Final bad. Fantasy metaphysical, like, weird stuff, yeah. right? And before you know it, you're going through this weird little wormhole and you're in another world and there's, like, these weird genomes that aren't real people. And there's a bit, there's literally a bit, right, towards the end where you are, like, you're Zidane, the main character, and you're walking and your character is being, like, rotated around as you're walking forwards and the backdrop is space and garland one of the main enemies like is narrating at that point and i swear to god there's like a bit that says this is space dot 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 right and you're just like walking and you just push forwards and you're just kind of like walking forwards through space right i'm like 
what is my doing? <laughs> and it's just like transitions to bosses, right? And this is just classic Final Fantasy. You just work your way through the bosses. There's always the one extra big boss at the end that yes. isn't really a thing. And it's like death itself. And and I just, you just, I just lost interest. Like in mm. the last third of the story, I was like, great. At least the combat's still good because the, because the story is nothing anymore. Right. All of the characters suddenly take a, suddenly take a back seat right like all of these characters that they've been building up particularly the side ones right like they just they're not a thing anymore it's all about zidane yes you know and it's and and it just i sound very negative and it's and and i'm not really that negative but i'm just like cool the story yeah it's the story is good for like a bit of it and then it just completely becomes irrelevant right and you're just like it's basically when the queen dies or whatever like and suddenly it turns into this weird space thing with another planet and souls being absorbed some mm. the trees that emit soul eating energy and you're just like nope <laughs> i've lost it yeah, i've lost it it, now. it turns up sort of like the more obscene fantasy tropes and drops some of the things that were strong about it it's very Final Fantasy, you know. It, it, it is quite a common thing to have more world-altering events in Final Fantasy games, but some do it better than others, I feel. And yeah, I think one of Nine's more harsh criticisms, and I think it's rightly so, is it doesn't have that sort of more relatable and enjoyable final boss slash final antagonist. Yeah, And in Venice, neither did Eight. Like, Eight's ending was mm. also very weak as well, and Eight's my mm. favourite. Seven was definitely a lot better for that. Like, it built into it a lot better. I mean, even, I'm sure you've heard of sort of the big bad of Seven, like uh, mm. Sephiroth, like that's quite a, a well-known mm. bad guy. But yeah, like, I think Nine, I think you're right in that Nine maybe loses a bit of steam towards the end. Definitely. And what's a shame is like, and you, you mentioned it, is that one of the things that really makes the game more stand out than some of the others is the relationship between the characters and how they yeah. grow and then the characters kind of personal stories like the two characters that i always remember for final fantasy 9 bearing in mind like i say it's been almost 20 years since i played it was uh vivi of course because he has such a kind of an existential crisis almost yes. but then there was also the the dragoon knights is it freya, oh, yeah, is that freya. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed her story as well like yes. i remember really like it but you're very right in the sense that, that sort of gets dropped and almost like forgotten yeah. about which is a super big shame because although zidane's not a bad character he's also supposed to be the self-insert character, so he's almost less right. developed in a way yeah definitely and it's like and it's just like oh zidane isn't like a real person he's like a robot with a soul like it just it's just all a bit you just feel like all of a sudden all of these characters that they've been developing mm. whether it's like garnet who like you know has a crazy mum and you know isn't at and is actually a summoner anyway and was like adopted and you know and there's the relationship with her and zidane obviously there's like a classic you know love yeah. relationship thing going on as you say like vivi is great like the black mages stuff is really interesting like they're dealing with the fact that they've been like built to fight a war and then some of them have like broken out from that but then they're going to die and they're dealing with death as a thing you know that that's really interesting and then yeah freya right like her her whole home city or whatever gets destroyed and you're you're evacuating them and you know there's all the stuff with her like they're, they're all there's a lot of really strong characters and it just I just felt a bit sad that they mm. really do just get dropped towards the end and it just becomes about this, you know, world being absorbed by another world and you're like I don't really I don't really care and you just loot you just and then like it introduces a couple of extra bad guys and you're like I don't really care about you because yes. I cared about like the queen, right, starting a war and like, you know, and and how that how 
Garnet feels about that. And that was like a big deal. And then all of a sudden these random like people with, you know, weird spaceships appear and it's like, don't really care about you. <laughs> Cared about the like politics stuff. What's interesting is that Final Fantasy IX feels almost like the beginning of the ridiculous characters that you would see in something like Kingdom Hearts. Mm, yes. You can yes, see a bit no, of a, absolutely. Yeah. You can see a little bit of like with things like Hooja and Garland and stuff like that. Right, a hundred percent. And actually you're right. Like when I've I've watched Tony play Kingdom Hearts games and it's absolutely that, right? Like Kingdom Hearts is I know that there is a, a thread to all of the Kingdom Hearts games, but that also gets quite metaphysical and weird, right? It's it's known for it. Mm. And this is definitely the same kind of thing. And it's I get it, and you know, it's 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 cool, but it's just I guess maybe part of the problem is because of its age, it struggles to do dramatic because you can't get the dramatic visuals because it's old. So like big battles with big effects or like crazy kind of like space, pre-rendered space, weird and wonderful worlds and stuff like that. They kind of lose their shine because they're a bit old. So you don't really get the same impact i guess as maybe you would have back in 2000 when you're sort of going through that process no you are right and unfortunately as a result the game doesn't age quite as well so yeah it's a shame that an otherwise fantastic return to form maybe just peters out a little bit and and i agree i I think that's you maybe sort of think about it more critically because i've got quite positive opinions on the matter Mm. from playing it from such a long time ago but then you're right. I, I absolutely can't disagree with what you're saying. So, mm. yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. I think what's interesting is I will probably look on Final Fantasy IX in the same fond way in a few years' time that you look on it, right? Yeah. In the sense that, like, I'll remember the first two thirds of the story yes, and the characters, yeah. right? Like, and I'll remember their names and I'll remember some stuff about it. And I will go through the same process of kind of forgetting that that last you know, the last bit a little bit because it is a really good game. And I think it does deserve the high praise that it got originally, you know, and I think that it is worth experiencing for sure. I just right now, having just finished it, my main sort of feelings are about the end of the game. Right. Mm. But I mean, we haven't even talked about the combat, right. Which I think that, you know, was a, was a really, was a really strong part of it. What I really liked and I really want to particularly highlight is the way that the game deals with inventory um, and, and equipment, right? Because in Final Fantasy IX, I don't know if this is like any other Final Fantasy games or not, like items have like one or two uh, abilities attached to them. And if the character that's equipping it is compatible with those abilities, then by equipping it and then fighting with that equipment attached, you eventually learn that ability yeah. permanently. Like you can use it temporarily. And then once you've properly learned it you can then de-equip that and equip something else and you keep the ability Mm -hmm. and then you have a limited number of like points that you can assign to abilities so you can't have all of them but you can learn all of them or you can learn as many as you as you can find and then there's not a huge amount of equipment like there's not like thousands of items you can pretty much like remember some of them kind of thing like the different items you know it's like a reflect ring it's not like there's like five reflect rings that teach you reflect there's one reflect ring (laughs) you know and stuff like that and i really really enjoyed Mm. that i enjoyed like making sure that i was buying all the equipment so that all my characters could learn everything so that i could chop and change and be like oh what works for you know this particular fight or you know what is a cool ability what does this ability do and stuff like that and some of them are kind of a bit of a secret in classic old game fashion like you feel like you're meant to you feel 
feel like this it's another game a bit like metroid actually where you still need to buy a guide you know they're yeah still, they're still being they're still being stumped by you know brady games or whatever like uh <laughs> like paying them some money to make their game a bit obtuse so that you have to buy the guide for the it. ultimate guide um, yeah you know and even the manual would probably have been useful you are right in that this is actually a little bit this was a bit of a departure from the more recent Final Fantasy games. This was near. So 7 and 8 were a lot more complicated than this. Uh, like 7 had the uh, materia system, which sort of works mm-hmm. a bit similar to the ways the skill system that you equip materia to learn skills. But it wasn't so much the weapons or the equipment. They were sort of like magic skills, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the equipment was you just upgraded it there was no sort of chopping and changing you would just oh, strip, okay. stripped upgrade for your weapon and, and that right. was it okay interesting same with final fantasy 8 as well like that was relying very heavily on the junction system i've talked a lot about that before yes whereas nine kind of returns to something i think it's similar to things like three if i remember right, or four right, okay. i can't remember with the idea of like learning skills and then changing your equipment to learn more skills which is kind of like an older final fantasy trope and also with Final Fantasy IX, they made it so that the characters had more defined roles. So in Series 7, yes, seven and 8, yes. for example, for the most part, you could have any character kind of fulfill any role, really. Right, Whereas in okay. 9, for the most part, you're going to want Steiner to be sort of like your tanky, kind of more aggressive frontline fighter. And you're right. going to want Vivi to be your mage, obviously. Yeah. But in, say, 7 or 8, you could kind of have anyone do anything, really, as long as you equip them with the right abilities. And although you can kind of customise, say, Steiner to be a little bit more fast or a little bit more tanky or whatever, with the equipment and skills you can teach him, there's always sort of like a an obvious path that the game is kind of pushing you towards for him uh, to kind of fulfil one particular role, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, though, because it streamlines that whole menu process. Because one of the things that some mm. Final Fantasy games are terrible for is having really convoluted and messy menus oh, yeah. to try and kind of navigate. And JRPGs as a whole are terrible for that sometimes as well. Um, but <laughs> yeah. 9 is, is not bad. Like you say, no, I, think I like the way the inventory system works. I like the fact that it keeps things relatively streamlined. Um, yeah. The battles are much less complicated some some of the older ones oh yeah but not in a bad way not like oh it's boring it's it's just so much more straightforward yeah there's actually you've you've reminded me of a couple of interesting points that i want to that i want to make on the roles uh first of all i yeah for me obviously again like having not played other final fantasy games but played other rpgs i'm like that just made sense to me because normally characters have roles right and it's clear that like oh yeah there's a mage and a healer and a tank and a dps or whatever I found that that made it a little bit difficult to mix the party up, particularly towards the end of the game, because there's no shared leveling. So your other characters can fall behind. And also it's not like there's a full, it doesn't feel like there's like enough characters to choose from to mix it up. Mm. Like you've got like Dagger and Eco, Eco, I guess is how it's pronounced, who are kind of like healers, but they're also slightly different in the way that they heal. So it's like, well, you can't have both because they're both healers, but they're also, you miss out on some mechanics by not using the other one, so to speak. But then, like you say, because they fall behind in level, you end up just using the same one over and over again. Right. And I don't remember Final Fantasy IX doing this very much, but some games are terrible for that, where they then force you to use characters because like the other ones are not available and they're like a, woefully underleveled and you're like right oh. there's actually a couple of cases where that happened but I was going to bring that up as a positive point because I was very surprised by how many different characters I played as during Final Fantasy IX and actually it ties with me getting bored of the story you know in the last third of the game you pretty much only play as Zidane yeah and in the rest of the story I was 
literally like I was like blown away by the fact that like the game was cutting between different parts of the world and like one minute I'm playing as one person and then another minute I'm in like a different city to playing as a different person yeah, and like they all sort similar. of like they meet together like it's a TV show almost. Mm -hmm. And I was really impressed by that really early on. Like I was like, I was not expecting to play as different characters through this. And like it splits the party up at one point and you've yeah. got like half and half. So they have different quite tasks a while. to go and accomplish. Yeah. And I was like, that's that's so advanced for like a two you know, 20 year old RPG to like achieve that and be able to like have stories that are running in parallel and that you, you know, break and rejoin, you know, compared to just like you have a main character and there are characters that yeah, join and leave you that follow yeah. behind you. You know, yeah. it's like it's very, very different. So I was very impressed by that. I, I do like that. The only thing I have that annoys me about it is the fact that there was no static level for all characters right it needed um, it. it definitely you, needed it yeah and that sort of it seems to be just like an old uh mechanic oh, that's yeah. fallen down at the wayside most games nowadays have the ability to have all characters either level up at the same pace or level up a little bit like less for example like i use persona 5 as an example because that's the one i'm playing yes. at the moment where initially your characters don't get any extra experience but quite quickly you get the ability by having a certain confidant rank where they get like half the experience and then they get the ability where they get all the experience so you're not punished then for either sticking with one particular group for a while and then needing to swap to a different group whereas saying this you kind of are punished for not using them all all the time yeah absolutely yeah, I mean, there's honestly, honestly, there's like loads of things that I could talk about about this game. Like, it's de it's definitely, I found it really interesting and very enjoyable. The game reckons I played for about thirty something hours, like thirty five, yeah. maybe. That sounds about right, especially the, with the speed up. Yeah, the Switch reckon. I don't know if that includes speed up or not because my Switch Switch reckons, probably doesn't. My Switch yeah. reckons I've played forty plus hours. Um, oh, right, now that okay. probably includes pausing. Um, yes. So I don't really somewhere in between those numbers is how much yeah. I played it. That figure sounds about right, in fairness, from my playthrough yeah. and my experience. So well, one final note, because it's, it's always been uh, an area that I always really enjoyed. Did you touch on the card game at all? I did not. You did not? No, you, you ignored no, only, only the bit that you kind of have to do or that's like benefit, like the tournament. Yeah. I So I didn't want to end on a negative, which was the <laughs> side quests in Final Fantasy IX, because in order to get the like best items in the game forget tetra master for a second yeah fine like that's a cut like there's a side card game which i'm sure you probably really like but like the, the main <laughs> side know? quest of this game is chocobo hot and cold right oh. which is just a terrible terrible mini game but yeah, to get the like ultimate weapons for any of your characters yeah. which i very quickly decided not to do you have to play <laughs> that game so much yeah and it's like no <laughs> i'm just not doing that. all of the playstation era Final Fantasy games had that same th problem where a lot of the kind of end game amazing equipment and content was locked behind kind of boring and yeah. arduous mini games. It's very Japanese, I know. And it's like, you just don't it need is. to do it. All you need to do is just grind for a bit so that you're over leveled and then it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for the most but part. Like I was, there weren't really that many side quests that I found or did particularly uh, because it didn't really feel like I w needed to or there was any particular no. story reward to doing them. They felt very supplemental. Coming back to my yes. point about it being on rails, you know, you really don't need to do anything but just follow the game and where it points yeah. you. And that's it. And that's why I wasn't really that fussed about the overworld either, because it's like there's no benefit to going anywhere else because it doesn't really feel like the game's encouraging no. you to do it. But yeah, so that's a bit of a negative to end on. I, you know, I think you can just ignore the side quests, maybe Tetra Master yeah, if you're a card game fan. 
game itself. And then just ignore it, right? And just go play the normal game. So on a final point, you obviously you did enjoy playing Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. As a whole, it's, I assume, left you with a fairly positive experience of the Final Fantasy kind of series oh, yeah. as a whole. Definitely. Uh, is that encourage you to play another entry in the series or a different JRPG? Or? Yeah, I think, I think I'm interested in trying some other F- Final Fantasy games. I'm going to sort of, I'm going to look to people for advice, I think. I think because that worked well with Nine. Like Tony was very like, yeah, you should definitely, that's a great... Um, entry point you also i remember saying that nine's a great one to play yeah you know so i'm gonna trust people and be like okay well what's the next one that i should play but i'm not gonna go straight into another one <laughs> no when i was about halfway through nine i was like i love this i'm gonna play another one straight after and then i got through the <laughs> end does, and i was like no i'm done <laughs> it does take its toll a bit they yeah. are they are quite big investments yeah uh, i'm just so. i'm learning i'm not very good at games that are longer than 20 hours like yeah. after about the 20 hour mark i do kind of want to just get it done mm. so yeah that's but I do How still want to try to play something. Persona 5. I know, I know. Apart from Persona. <laughs> like, oh my God. Especially because if you end up playing the Royal. Like, I know, I know. That's going to be killer for you. But yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely interested. Um, I know that 10 is quite good. Um, and Tony was saying that 10 is a good one once you get over the bad voice acting. Um, oh, so, she's very right about that. Yeah, so, And that's now on Switch as well. Um, so I'm quite pleased that they're giving me some options on Switch. Um, mm. That's for sure. Uh, so yeah my next recommendation would be to play six ah six, six okay. is i think the best one Ooh. not my favorite but i think it's the best Ooh, okay interesting so i've got a couple of choices by the sounds of it yeah cool and that's on both on the playstation as a port and you can play the original super nintendo version ah okay i might need to wait until it's in portable form or, no there's a gba version as well i think ah okay i could potentially I think there's a gba version of the game there is according to wikipedia i quickly wikied and there is so i could i could potentially dust off a gba sp and mm. play it cool so that will be another episode down the pipeline uh, yeah. i really enjoyed talking about this and reminiscing about sort of such an old game mm. for me and then seeing it from the perspective of someone who's only just experienced final fantasy completely yeah. uh this was this was really fun uh and I, it really made me sort of question some of my old assumptions of the game <laughs> which is which is really good nice and we hope that you enjoyed us talking about such a, a kind of a, an old classic game in a new sense and hopefully we covered some of the points that you agree or disagree with so do let us know if there's anything that you think maybe you know gelada missed out or maybe like skipped an area of the game that you think he should have like looked into maybe. or or maybe you agree maybe after hearing sort of his fresh take on the game you're like actually yeah you got a point there i didn't really Really like that part of the game as much as i thought maybe i did you know rose tinted glasses like you say yeah absolutely um you should definitely let us know and maybe give me some advice about which game i should which final fantasy yeah. or jrpg in general i should play next you can let us know by uh, sending us an email show at octal.fm uh, or you can tweet us at octal.fm on twitter or come and grab us on the facebooks facebook.com mm-hmm. forward slash octal.fm and yeah, this has been really fun. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my time playing Final Fantasy IX and I enjoyed my time talking about it. Yeah. So yeah. And we've uh, definitely going to do some more of these in the future, maybe even separate to the game club uh, because it's yeah. just been a, g- a good time. Maybe we can make that a new series, like uh, a retrospective of older games in a new, hmm. with a new light on yeah, them. Agreed, definitely. But until then, uh, I've been Sefran. And I've been Gelada. And we'll catch you again for another episode of Oxl FM very soon. Sefran signing off. I know. I thought, I'm going to steal this from him. He, He always gets the thunder. He always gets the last word. Not having that today.